this is Sabrina Marie, host of the Building Abundant Success Series. Our primetime mastermind looks at finance. My guest is Mr. King of Credit himself, best-selling author, financial entrepreneur, Will Roundtree. And he's going on his cocktails and credit tour this summer. He's here to talk about the importance of credit and his great tour. And you can go to cocktailsandcredit.com to find out more information. This awesome interview starts now. Will Roundtree is our guest. How are you doing this evening? Oh, I'm doing incredible. Thank you for having me here today. Thank you so much for being with us. And I want you to tell our audience about you, your background, and what got you to do what you're doing now. <laughs> no, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, again, thank you for having me. Definitely a pleasure to be able to speak with uh, you and you know your audience. But for those who don't know me, my name is Will Roundtree. I'm originally from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, now I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. Been here for about 16 years. And you know, I was told just like everyone else, go to school, get good grades, get a good job. Find out that that path wasn't in my cards. You know, I actually attempted to do all of those things. Uh, actually went to college for about a semester and a half. Uh, ended up dropping out of college. Uh, again, that path was just wasn't in my cards. Um, ended up going into the workforce, was at a company for about eight years. I thought I was going to retire. Was looking forward to getting the gold watch and getting my pension and selling off into the sunset. But then there's something called layoffs. The company actually shut down about me, about eight and a half years of me working there. And the company had been in business for over 75 years. Oh, my heavens. So once... Wow. Yeah, it definitely happened. And, and, and when that happened, I was scrambling, didn't know what to do, but I stumbled into something that saved my life, and it was called entrepreneurship. Uh, I got involved in entrepreneurship um, through network marketing. Joined the company. It taught me a bunch about personal development, changing my mindset, all of those things. And so I had a mentor who we were building an organization in Las Vegas, moved, ended up moving to Las Vegas in 2005. But prior to moving, I had another mentor because I believe you, you have multiple mentors, no different than an athlete who has a nutritionist, a strength and conditioning coach, a personal trainer. Like you have different mentors or coaches for different aspects of your life. And so that particular mentor, who was my finance mentor, said, "Will eventually credit will become the new dollar." He told me this in 2005. Moved to Las Vegas, quickly found out Sabrina what he meant by that. Couldn't buy an, couldn't rent an apartment without putting three times the deposit down because my credit was bad. Couldn't purchase a vehicle without a cosigner having a 29% interest rate. And so they say the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. I got tired of bumping my head. And so I got into the world of understanding and, and, and just learning about credit because of my own personal need. Uh, as I often say, your credit is like your digital fingerprint. Everything is tied to our credit scores, employment, insurance, medical, uh, banking. And so I, I, I needed to change that. And I noticed that there was a segment of the population, i.e., the wealthy people, who knew something we didn't know about credit. And so I took it upon myself to learn as much as I could about it. And from that point, what I was able to learn, I wanted to go out and share with people because I knew we were not being taught this information in our households, 
in schools, in uh, college campuses, at the dinner table, at family reunions. And so I just wanted to be the messenger to share my experience about what I learned about credit and the power of credit. Wow. Now, you came from humble beginnings. What was your upbringing like? Oh, so being from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, typical Midwest city, uh, blue-collar town, both my parents, blue-collar workers, uh, grew up in, you know, the, 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 the neighborhood that they would deem as the hood. And, you know, just like everyone else, uh, you know, I saw things in the neighborhood that may have shaped my vision of what I thought success looked like. Uh, you know, the, 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 the cars, the money, the jewelry, all of these things, but it were the people who were doing things that I didn't want to replicate that, that path. You know, the D-boys, the, 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 the drug dealers, et cetera, et cetera. And so uh, coming up in that, I will say that it gave me a glimpse of some of the things that I aspire to have in life. But again, I didn't want what came along with what they were doing. And I knew that it's a way to get it because we saw it on TV. We saw the athletes and different things. But uh, once I learned about entrepreneurship, I saw that you could aspire and actually have all of that without having to be 6'9 to play sports, without having to go and, and sit on the corners all day. And, 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 and I couldn't sing, or as they say, I couldn't carry a tune in a paper bag, so I knew I wasn't going to be an entertainer. <laughs> and so I, I, I learned about entrepreneurship and saw that if I just study this information and perfect my craft and, and be more service, be more service oriented, meaning that my goal was to focus on blessing more people, help them get what they want, and my blessings will come. And so my upbringing was just like most people from, you know, the, the inner cities of whatever city or town that they grew up in. You know, I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't have any special uh, meetings that taught me about, you know, business or money or credit or entrepreneurship or taxes or real estate. You know, I just wanted it more than my counterparts. And so I went out there and sought after the information. You were hungry. And I um, had seen a TEDx talk with you talking about failure and the things that you learn through that. And some people, you know, they may not be in a place where they can get mentorship or, you know, may not even have the confidence. Uh, talk about failure. Talk about the um, uh, the knocks uh, that you went through and what you've learned and how you were able to grow through uh, the failures that you have had. Absolutely. Well, first, I want to definitely touch on about not having the the means to 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 invest in mentorship. My initial mentors were books. My initial mentors were audio CDs that I would go to the library and rent. <laughs> you know, I probably still owe a few libraries. I think I, <laughs> I probably forgot to take a couple discs back back in two thousand and three. But um, yeah, so. A mentor doesn't always have to be in the form of a human. You know, there's tons of information in books. Now what wasn't as accessible as it is 
back when I was coming up as an entrepreneur, you have the Internet. There's tons of information. Now, everything may not be as accurate, but at least you can get a base level of information to help you get to that next level. And then, Sabrina, if we want to be completely honest, it's easier to make money these days. We live in a society where if you have a car, I can go out there and start driving Uber and make 100 to $300 a day. I can go out there and cut grass or mow. Like, it's, it's ways to make money. You just have to be hungry enough to go and get it and think outside the box. And so I think that's a part of that failure that sometimes we're scared of because I've spoken with people who say, well, I don't want to do that because people may recognize me. Well, hmm. you shouldn't worry about who recognizing you when your stomach is growling. You shouldn't worry about who's recognizing you when you can't pay your bills on time every month. And so that's a part of that process and also understanding that failure is how you become successful. You know, there's a saying, if you want to get – the faster you double your rate of failure, the sooner you'll become successful. And so as far as like some of the failures that I've experienced, and I don't even really like to call them failures. I like to call them experiences because we should learn from every single experience. So one of my very first experiences was I've started five credit businesses before the one I have now became successful. Three of them failed. One of them, I went into partnership with someone, and it, and it went south. And uh, uh, excuse me, I had six. Uh, three failed. One, I went into partnership where we didn't see eye to eye. <clears throat> and the fifth one, I did a uh, joint venture and brought on an investor, and he took the company from me. Hmm. But guess what? I learned from every last one of those experiences. I've also invested in the franchise. Guess what? It failed horribly. I was sued civilly. And what did I learn from that? I got into that solely for the money. So I learned from that experience, never do something just for money. You know, I mean, I had a ton of different things. And even just my business now, I've learned from the experiences. But you can only learn by going out there and doing it. You know, one of the things that I often say, Sabrina, is that you, you can't learn how to drive a car by reading the owner's manual. What do you have to do to learn how to drive the car? You have to actually get in the car. You got to turn the key or now push the button. <laughs> you have to put your seatbelt <laughs> on. You have to put, hit, the, hit the brake and put the car in gear. So you have to learn these things, and then you learn how to stay within the lines. You learn, how, you learn about the speed limits. You learn how to make left-hand turns. And your, 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 your experience through that teaches you to become a better and safer driver. It's the, no different in, in business and it's in trying to formulate whatever your path of what success looks like for you. You can only learn by just getting out there and doing it and don't worry about it. Yes, you're going to bruise your arm. Yes, you're going to scrape your toe. Yes, you may even, you know, break something. But when a bone breaks, it heals much, it, it heals stronger. And that's how we have to look at those experiences. And so when I was sued civilly, there were a lot of things I learned and now how to properly structure my business. I would never sign an agreement without, you know, someone reviewing the contract or even me just having a base level of competence and reviewing it myself. You know, so 
those experiences, i.e. failures, are vitally important. And I actually did a TEDx talk about the power of failure. We have to go through those things. But once we learn that failure is not final, then you, uh, you, you, you eradicate that level of fear that we associate with failure. I wanted to ask, you know, you talk about mentorship in books and, and you know, getting into that mindset of, of people who've gone before. And I hear a lot of positivity in that. We have people, like I told you before, we got on the air. We have people who have have been through some knocks uh, because of you know what we've gone through, not only with COVID and the job situation. And you were mentioning credit. I don't know what's going to happen to most of people now who uh, lost their job through no fault of their own. A lot of us are, even if we have great jobs and we're able to hold on to them, um, we had a lull. So we are kind of emotionally and spiritually doing a reboot in 2021. How has uh, this uh, reboot in the last year, how how has it affected you? And what did you do? How did you dig in and uh, uh, keep your mind focused? Great question. So I have this thing called my three P's. And it stands for you want to be in position to have the power to purchase. And purchase could be metaphoric for anything, but being in position, starting there. So I often say, Sabrina, that we are where we are today based upon the decisions we made three to five years ago. Now, granted, the pandemic, no one could plan for that. But one thing we could have planned for is the decisions that we made prior to that whether it was learning how to properly budget, whether it was making sure you have your credit in position. Because I know people who have lost employment, but because their credit was in position, they weren't maxed out on or over leveraged on their on their expenses. They were able to pivot and say, let me start a business and I can use that business to still generate some income. Or some people were able to continue to sustain by living off their credit if they had to. And so understanding that there are still things that we can do in preparation. There's another thing, especially for my aspiring entrepreneurs, those who did not see the value of repairing their credit prior to, the government offered subsidy through different government-backed loans, such as the uh, EIDL and the PPP loans. Now, Initially, they they didn't put all of their checks and balances in place, so not everyone qualified. So it made it a lot easier to qualify. Once they recalibrated it, they made it credit-driven. So all of those people who didn't see the value of fixing their credit possibly missed out on getting up to $150,000 for your business that potentially could have been forgivable because they didn't see the value of fixing their credit a year uh, or two prior. Or those who didn't see the value of actually structuring their business as a legal entity in the form of an LLC, an incorporation, or an S-corp because they still wanted to operate as a sole proprietor because they didn't see the value in setting up their corporate structure. Or maybe they just didn't know. Or entrepreneurs who didn't file their taxes properly. 
meaning, you know, they wanted to expense everything because we are educated on how taxes work in relation to being an entrepreneur. So what I would say how I was able to kind of pivot was I always am working on my foundation. So no matter what comes down the pike, Sabrina, that I'm somewhat in position to pivot a lot easier. And believe it or not, it actually benefited us during the time of that because, you know, we were able to create opportunities for other people to, 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 to change their situation during those times. And they actually came out of this pandemic, which we're still in, uh, uh, you know, less unscathed in helping to position themselves and setting themselves up. I mean, I've helped over 15 people over the course of that year not have to go back to their nine to fives. Now that may not sound like a lot of people, but can you imagine now that is 15 families who financial trajectory has been altered positively and oh, not including wow. the, the individuals who they know who potentially they are helping. So that 15 could easily become 150 and that 150 could easily become 500. And so, again, my thing is always about being in position so when things do make a shift that you're prepared or prepared to the best of your ability to call that audible in your life. Beautiful. You're doing uh, tours uh, this summer, and you're doing them virtually and in person. And I know you've been at this for a bit. Tell us what you're doing and – how can it just benefit the average Jane and Joe out there? Absolutely. So when you talked about failures, (laughs) (laughs) this is one that I failed at many times. And what what I mean by that is this is a concept I started about five years ago, and it didn't catch on right away. But what it is, it's called the cocktail and credit tour, where knowledge is the new currency, where essentially – your value stock is in the knowledge that you possess. But then not only that you possess, that you have to actually go out there and implement, which is why information is so expensive. And so what I've decided to do was, is because I know people love entertainment and we love to learn. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to meet people where they're at and bridge the two together, hence cocktail and credit. I mean, who doesn't love a good adult beverage? Even if you yeah. get one without the alcohol, <laughs> you can still learn some information. And and so, again, this is a concept I started about five years ago. Uh wasn't getting me and garnering the support. I continued to just keep doing it. I mean, there was times when two people would show up, and I paid for a venue. But that's just part of the learning process, and I was able to figure out what works, what doesn't. And so fast forward now, it's actually in demand that people are asking for me to come to their city. They're wanting to pay for us to do something in their local communities. And so uh, it's something that I'm truly excited about. I really think that it's a way for us to talk about something that unfortunately a lot of us in our community don't like to talk about, but we can lower the guard because we're bringing it to them in a non-threatening fashion. You know, we don't like to talk about finances, credit, money, insurance, real estate, entrepreneurship, business, you know, in in the household setting. But when we're talking about it more from a entertainment standpoint, 
making it a more relaxed environment, making it fun, making it interactive, and then I'm teaching you. I'm not there to sell you anything. I'm teaching you how to leverage this information or even teaching you something that you may not know about this information. So I want to deliver it to you in a very non-threatening way. So I have a seven-city tour coming up. My first city is Atlanta, Georgia, which is June 17th. And if you can't make it, we actually have it where you can view it virtually. And Sabrina, the best part about it is completely free. And so we're going to be in Atlanta. We're going to be in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, which is my hometown, Houston, Texas, uh, excuse me, Chicago, Illinois, uh, Los Angeles, California, Washington, D.C., and then the final finale is going to be in Las Vegas, Nevada, which is where I currently reside. So, yeah, you can register by going to cocktailsandcredit.com. You can register to come in person. If you can get to, if you can get to the city, you definitely want to be there, just the energy alone. And there are opportunities. You know, I actually had a client who came to one I did uh, about a year and a half ago prior to the pandemic. He's a clothing designer. He does high-end fashion. He actually presented me a jacket. It was a, 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 a kind of like a peanut butter crocodile jacket. Just from people being able to see his work, Sabrina, he left that event with over $25,000 in purchase orders. So wow. he actually made money by being in the room. And that's the value of that because we're bringing people together who want to be involved, who are entrepreneurs, who have, you know, uh, uh, businesses, or someone who is just learning to get into business. But more importantly, the, the energy in that room you can't replicate. So you definitely want to be there, be on the live stream, however you got to get there, do it. It's a hundred percent tax write-off because it's a business event, and so I, I recommend anyone who can make it out, please do come out and support. I wanted to go back to some of the things that you saw growing up, and I and for a reason. Um, you said that you saw, you know, people doing things for money, and usually people with a poverty and or lack mindset, they look at the cars, they look at the watches, they look at Things, things. We can be into so much show, and we can be into and and, and just like we've basically been in the last eight years, so much show of wealth and talk of wealth on the outside, but that's not really wealth. So I want you to get into that and dig into um, uh, what money and learning about money and how money works beyond just the credit. Credit is vital. It is king. But people think just because you have outward show and are in the right circles and wear the right jacket or, or, or dress, that's wealth. But it isn't. Yeah, so I, 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 it's interesting because I actually was just talking about this recently uh, to, a, to a group. So the first thing I often say is that we have to understand there's a difference between profit and wages. And wages also can be interchangeable with income. And income, or let me give you this example, and then I'll bring it back home to, to your question. So take someone who's been at a company for the past 10 years. Statistically, they're probably making about the same income that they were making in 2011, 
maybe 50 cents more. But what has transpired over that 10 years? Inflation. I was speaking with someone who said six years ago in the city that they were living in, they were their rent was $600 a month. That same building, their rent is $1,700. Wow. But mind you, their income has not changed in 10 years. So when your focus is only income, but then you still want the nice cars, the jackets, the watches, the purses, the vacations, it leaves you very little room to actually learn how to create wealth via investing or anything like that, or which is why people a lot of times get in these debt traps, which is why we have such a negative connotation with debt. But there's something, it's something, there's a difference between good debt and bad debt. But because we only know bad debt, because we only have income, well, versus profits, when you find a way for your money to work for you, then it's a different scenario. So now when you have profits via, you know, small businesses, whether it's in real estate, whether it's in the stock market, whether it's in cryptocurrency, there's so many different ways to generate profits or revenue. But here's the thing too, Sabrina, we're so busy always trying to invest a hundred dollars and make a million dollars, not knowing that wealth is built slowly. When you invest money, that's money you have to look at that, you know what, I'm going to let that work for a minimum of five to ten years, even from a business standpoint. Because here's the thing, we have to understand that when we, we're so used to trading time for dollars, meaning I go to work for eight hours, I get a check, whatever my hourly wage is. Whereas when you're looking to generate profits, you can put that money in and you may not make any money for two months. You may not mm -hmm. make any money for nine months. You may not make any money for 18 months. And that's where the, dispar the disparity is, is that we don't understand there's a difference between profits and income, and we don't understand that there's a difference in trading time for dollars. And on top of that, we don't understand the different debt structures uh, structured debt versus unstructured debt. Unstructured debt is what most of us who are only earning wages or income are accustomed to. We go out and buy the house we can't afford. We buy the vehicle we can't afford. We get a raise on our job, and we go buy a bigger house, a bigger car, take more vacations, but we didn't account for inflation or we're in a different tax bracket, so we get caught up in this debt trap. Versus mm -hmm. structured debt, which is what wealthy people have learned <clears throat> through generating profits, where I can go buy an asset, i.e. A, a piece of property that still has debt on it, but then the revenues, the profits I'm making from the monthly rents are servicing the debt, meaning it's paying for that property. Mm -hmm. I'm still getting a 10 to 15% return every month. And I make that money whether I'm at home, whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm at my nine-to-five. And imagine being able to replicate that while you're working your nine-to-five, and over the course of 10 years, you bought 10 rental properties. And those 10 rental properties bring you in an additional $250 a month. And by the, year of, by the end of year 10, 
you're now generating $2,500 a month. That's over $30,000 a year. That's an entire, that's another salary. And you don't have to go get a second job to get that. So we have to really understand profit versus wages, structured debt versus unstructured debt, trading time for dollars. And, and once we start normalizing those type of dialogues, that's when we can start to move the needle uh, from an economic standpoint. Another thing, you were talking about investing in property, something that will give you a return on investment, not buy a new car or Rolex or looking and having the, I guess, the, the outward appearance of wealth. You're talking about something tangible that uh, you could even pass on to uh, people in the family, generations, you know, uh, properties, uh, being your own boss, to, so to speak. But there are many people with an impoverished mindset that look at the trappings. I had interviewed somebody who became a millionaire, and she was saying that uh, she was so uh, wrapped up in the clothes and the cars and the things that um, when she married, they dwindled down those millions, and she had to live in that expensive car with the expensive things that were now out of style. Mm. When you talk about, yeah, when you talk about uh, the tangibles, owning properties, things that uh, pay you back, uh, people really need to hear that. And when you were saying that you, you saw people doing things for money and you saw the outward appearances, a car depreciates in value, the minute you drive it off a lot. Can you talk about why we get wrapped up in how many things? It's, 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 it seems like even some of sports figures will buy um, a 55,000 square foot property. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with the wants, but you're talking about the real. Can you talk to, to people so they understand it's not the outward stuff? That's not what people of wealth do. No, great question. So a couple things to preference your your question. It is okay if you want those things. I like nice cars. I like nice watches. I have a couple cars, a couple watches. But here's the difference between what I do. I let my assets pay for those things, and I only purchase things that can appreciate. So certain watches do appreciate. Right now gold is up uh, with vehicles. I have a car rental company, so I only purchase vehicles that I can rent out to outrun that depreciation. So there's a difference in how you do it, but then I let my assets pay for that. Now, here's the thing to your question. We've been consumed. We've been bombarded. We've been conditioned to get caught up in those trappings by the distractions, hey, you're not wealthy unless you're driving a certain vehicle, unless you have a certain type of belt on, or unless you wear this particular brand. But one of the things that I've learned, or one of the many things I've learned throughout my, my life, and just being around wealthy individuals, wealth has no look. I'm going to say mm -hmm. that again. Wealth mm -hmm. has no look. Mm -hmm. I know people who have none of those things who make more money than your favorite rapper, who make who has more <laughs> assets than your favorite uh, athlete. I mean, I have athletes and entertainers who come to me because 
they don't have all of those things because they've squandered their budget or their 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 income. To keep in mind, a lot of them get income. Those aren't profits. They don't have businesses. They don't have assets to help finance their lifestyle. And so we have to be very careful not to get caught up in the imagery of what we think success looks like. That's the thing. We've been conditioned to think success has a look. And you, like you mentioned, you, you, people get caught up in these the, 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 the optics of what it looks like. It reminds me, there's a video out there on YouTube on how to sell to a Negro. Mm. And very deep video. And the video talks about they've learned to sell to the Negro by creating a feeling that is associated of what they think success or wealth looks like. Wow. But if we truly understood the power of what, of how we can move the needle, we're the ones who made these designer brands popular. We're the ones who make the, 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 the vehicles fly off the dealership. It reminds mm-hmm. me when, when Jay-Z had a line talking about Range Rovers back in 1997. They said the sales of Range Rovers increased by 60%. Wow. <laughs> so imagine if we got together and we came up with our own auto line. Imagine right. we really started supporting our own brand, clothing brand. And again, and not saying that, you know, we have to uh, do all of these things, but we moved that needle. So why are we letting outside influences show less what we think success looks like? Then we go out there and consume. We put ourselves in these financial ruins and then not having anything to really put our hat on on any brands that we own, any brands that we've created. We need to understand collective economics. We need to, and so it's so many different layers to that. I mean, we literally could do a whole show just on this topic. But again, I tell people it's nothing wrong with with wanting and liking nice things. But, you know, create revenues to be able to finance those things and don't make your entire livelihood about those things because those things don't I, – I can't leave my son a Gucci belt. He may not even be my size when he's <laughs> an adult. Mm-hmm. But I can leave him a property. My son is 11 years old, and he has a property in his name that's free and clear. So these are the type of dialogues that we want to start normalizing. You know, I tell everyone, if you have teenage children, their graduation present – to be establishing them to have great credit and an LLC. Whether they decide to do business with it or not, you've at least given them a head start that most people who are 18 will never get an opportunity to be in position of. So we need to start changing the dialogue and normalizing those type of conversations. I wanted to not end our conversation, but begin a interesting dialogue about environment and the crabs in the barrel. I know you know what I'm talking about. Uh, When you first get out there and have uh, ideas of what you want to do, many people you've grown up around and or have been around uh, could be people from, you know, the neighborhood, could be people from school. I remember you talking about teachers said that you wouldn't amount to anything. It seems that when we're going for that goal, 
there's always going to be you know, a crew of people who will keep you in your place, or at least try to. What have you done to stay focused? Because you did mention mentorship, but for those people who are just uh, leaning on uh, some of the stuff that you've said and have been woke, uh, the crabs in the barrel can get in people's way before they can even jump out there sometime. And even if they're out there and they have a setback, you still have those crabs that are telling you, I told you so. I told you that was going to happen. You should never have done that in the first place. <laughs> you should never have thought that way. Mm. Who? What makes you think you're going right. anywhere? Oh, it's it's, yeah, it's so, really heavy. So, it's heavy, you know? No, no, it, it is. And, and, and I'll start by saying this. When a person can't see it, they can't see it. And so when you're sharing your goals and your visions and dreams and aspirations with someone who can't see or see it, remember, your vision is your vision. And so what got me to thinking differently, again, I take everything through experience. So I remember this was probably like around 98, 99, somewhere around there. It, I had a, a lot of that part of my life is blurry <laughs> because that world is no longer in existence. Wow. Uh, mentally, I mean. I remember back when I, this one, XM Radio, first kind of launched around this time. And I remember it being about 50 cents a share. And I remember I wanted to, like, dump a bunch of money on it because I believed – and where radio was going, I was big into hip-hop and music, and I just knew that terrestrial radio was making a shift, or at least that was my gut feeling, I would say. And I asked someone who I worked with who didn't own any stock, never ran a business. He had been at the company that I was working at for about 20, 30 years, so we were pretty much in the same boat financially. He just had more experience than me at that company. And I asked him, and his response to me was, uh, I wouldn't do it. You know, uh, you don't know what's going to happen. Basically giving me all of the reasons on why he couldn't see it. And I took his advice because he was older than me. And several months later, that stock, or it may even been a year or two later, that stock went from 50-something cents to about 4 or $5 a share. Wow. And I learned very quickly right there, Sabrina, I will never take advice from someone who does not have the lifestyle that I want. So the answer to your question, why would I let someone who doesn't have the lifestyle that I ha want to give me advice? We, we'll take advice from people who are living in our house, sleeping on our couch. <laughs> so I'm not taking advice from people who don't have the lifestyle I want. Yeah, can you learn something from everyone? Absolutely. But I'm not taking advice from somebody about business or whether to start a business or what I should do for my business from someone who's never ran or owned a business before. I'm not taking money advice from someone who, who owes five banks and are in check systems. I'm not taking money advice from someone who has bad credit or who don't pay their creditors back or who who was who hiding their vehicle from the repo man. And wow. so I was able to I was able to, to I was able to block out those distractions from those people 
And then I would tell myself when it comes to support, because that's another, uh, uh, um, you know, thing that one will deal with on this path or this journey is that I'm not focused on the people who don't want to support me. See, in the book, Thinking Grow Rich, they talk about one of the top reasons most people fail in business is they're too busy worried about their friends, family, and relatives not supporting them. Well, guess what? There's millions of people out there in the world who are looking for you. You just got to put the work in and get in front of them. You know, let's leverage this thing called social media where you can get in front of millions of people for free. That's right. And when people come to me who have businesses and say, oh, I don't like social media, it's too negative. No, you follow negative people. That's why it's negative. Stop following your friends who's posting their relationship status every five minutes that, you know, is upset. (laughs) You know, go follow some motivational people. Go follow someone in trucking because you may because you want to get in trucking. Go find someone who runs a successful uh, 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 hair enterprise because you want to get in the hair industry. Go follow your favorite motivational speaker. Like those are the things you should be uh, subjecting yourself to. You know, go attend a, a, a meeting. Go read a book. Go listen to YouTube. Like so. I don't get concerned with the people who don't want to support me. I only focus my attention on people who want to support me. I'm not concerned of the naysayers. Guess what? People are going to laugh at you whether you're broke or rich. I'd rather them That's laugh right. at you while I'm rich. <laughs> you know, and so mm-hmm. I'm not concerned about all of those things. My focus is what I set out for my path to be, what my goals are, the legacy I'm trying to create, the legacy I want to leave my children. I want my great, I want my great great grandchildren to remember me. Think about that. Mm-hmm. The reason the, the great great grandchildren of the Hiltons and the J.W. Marriotts and the Hertz family and the 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 the, the, the Gillette family they know their great great grandparents because they left them they left and created a legacy. I want my great great grandchildren to remember Will Roundtree. And so that's what my focus is. I don't have time to worry about somebody who, you know, who, who, you know, ducking and dodging, you know, bill collectors. And not saying people can't get in those situations because life happens, but I'm not taking advice from someone who's not trying to change their circumstance. Mm-hmm. You're right. You're so right. You have your tour this summer, and um, I love Credit is King. Tell us some things that you have coming up uh, uh, later in the summer. I know your tours are going through the summer. Yeah, definitely. So uh, uh, my tour is, you know, my primary focus. That's going to run me through about quarter, the third quarter of the year. I'm also working on uh, a curriculum that I want to introduce, which we are in negotiation and talks. My team is communicating with a couple people in the HBCU uh, world to be able to offer my curriculum and information and license my information through some of their micro courses, not necessarily accredited for them to get a degree in, but for them to get more information and educating themselves. And I would say that that's a start for them getting access to this information that otherwise they may not get access to because that's really my legacy play here, Sabrina, is to be able to license my content uh, in the educational space, you know, and so uh, those are some of the things, you know, I'm working on a new book, 
And then, of course, you know, uh, I, I run multiple companies um, and, and, and really just doing what I, what I really truly feel that I'm supposed to be here to do, and that is really just be a messenger for our community about this information that no one seems to want to give us access to. And so, um, so yeah, so outside of the tour, just continually doing everything that I'm already doing. I can't get off this interview, and I know somebody in my audience already, you know, is, is, is talking about this new digital and cryptocurrency. Um, what is your opinion on this, and should we uh, be looking at this, and how seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I never claim to be a, a crypto expert, nowhere near it, but I do believe in the space of, of the cryptocurrency. I'm an investor of it. And the reason that is because we are in a system where our 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 money system economically is flawed, and the the way that crypto works it helps with a decentralized level of currency. For example, there, if I wanted to do commerce with someone in Africa they may not have access to adequate banking, which I actually have a company based out of Sierra Leone. And so I do business out of Africa. Their banking system is not as, is not as fluid as ours. But guess what they do have, Sabrina? They have cell phones. So I can digitally transfer currency to someone in Africa where it doesn't cost me anything. That's wow. the power of where cryptocurrency is going. The banks are investing in crypto. They're changing their systems through blockchain. So they often say success leaves clues. I'm following the clues that are being that that are all around us. And again, I'm not doing this to get rich tomorrow. I already know that this is the long term play. So that's the way we have to start thinking about it. So I'm definitely a believer in the crypto space. I look forward to the chore. And other things that you have. Oh no, absolutely. And you're more than welcome to come back anytime. Okay, I'm I'm a phone call away for you, Sabrina. Thanks so much for being with us. Many blessings to you, and uh, I'll see you on the web. Absolutely, thank you. God bless.